Alright AJ, make sure to check your candy, cause this is Trick or Treat. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. <laughs> sorts of things roam free sorry all these traditions wait wait what you're supposed to keep it lit why ancient tradition putting on costumes i look like i'm five you look great what did we do now we meet our dates jack-o-lanterns why are we here to pay our respects to the dead the halloween school bus massacre Started to protect us, but. Morning, guys. How are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. Hello and welcome to Bell Lugosi is Undead. I'm AJ. And I'm Ryan. And today we're talking about the 2007, 8, 9, 10 <laughs> film Trick or Treat. Yeah, this is one of, I, I picked this one and it's one of my, it's one of the cult classic films and we really wanted to kick off the beginning of our podcast with sort of movies that are like fun, right? And yeah. A, and a little bit funny and, and scary and interesting. And I think Trick or Treat really, really hit the nail on the head with that. Well, I think even beyond that, I think we both wanted to cover films that you and I love, that we yeah. have an undying devotion towards. Yeah. Because, you know, life is short, and we want to talk about the things that we love the most. <laughs> That's and, true. And if there's anything that we know about Trick or Treat, is that bite-sized fun is still better. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Trick or Treat, uh, directed by Michael Doherty, mm-hmm. Doherty more or less makes this to be something like a Pulp Fiction style horror movie, where sure. there's a bunch of different stories, it is an anthology like Ryan mentioned, and mm-hmm. there is some light intertwining between the stories, but it's not overt for most of it. It's kind of as the movie progresses, you begin to piece it together a timeline. It's a little hard to tell the timeline, so mm-hmm. I went ahead and I wrote it out. Oh, awesome. Go for it. Yeah, so let's see. So so it starts with a street party. There's the bigger kid, Charlie, is walking away from a downtown party, but a bunch of other people are just hanging out there. Everybody's in costume. They're having a great time. Charlie is stealing a bunch of candy from the principal's house, and the principal poisoned the candy to kill mm-hmm. kids. Specifically, Charlie, he knew he was going to be a glutton, so Charlie vomits, <laughs> he dies, uh, the principal brings him inside. The teenage trick-or-treat group, they 
go visit the principal. They're like, oh, that's weird. The principal's being weird again, whatever. And yeah. they just peace out, and they go and meet a girl named Rhonda, who seems like she probably has slight probably learning. on the spectrum. Yeah, she's probably yeah. on the spectrum just a little bit. They recruit her to come get pumpkins. The principal and the old man next door have a short discussion. The old man seems haunted by something, but we can't figure out what it is. The principal then heads inside, and he sees the old man next door being attacked by something, but he just kind of ignores it. He doesn't see it, but he sees the old man asking for help. The principal then goes on his date, and he begins stalking Lori, who is the actress played by Anna Paquin, and she's the girl who might be losing her virginity. Mm-hmm. Turns out she's a werewolf. The werewolves, yes! kill, the werewolves kill the principal and their whole party, mm-hmm. uh, and have, have a big party in the woods. Mm-hmm. The teenagers get to the quarry, and Rhonda, the girl who is on the spectrum, sees the, the kids that. are being like kind of dicks to her. They try to scare her, so she leaves them to die when monsters come and eat them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And she sees Sam and walks away. Later, Krieg, the guy who got attacked by Sam, he's finally embracing the holiday spirit because Sam spared his life and he sees Rhonda return home. He sees uh, the child of the principal kind of hand out some candy and then Mm -hmm. he sees the wolf girls drive away. But then the school bus massacre, the monsters who killed the teenagers, come and they attack Krieg and that's the end of the movie. It's kind of like a timeline breakdown. Absolutely. So yeah, there's there's so much going on in Trick or Treat. It's, It's kind of like a little bit all over the place, but it's so much fun. Oh, absolutely. And, like, one thing that I really like about this movie, one thing that's, like, that's really awesome and sort of, like, doing some minor research on it is just that each of the each of the stories are, like, different portions of how you enjoy Halloween, right? Yep. And so you have, like, the young kid, and he's, like, ste- you know, stealing trick-or-treat candy, right? And then you have the, the young adults, and it represents the first time you're going out on Halloween alone and it's scary and fun. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have the young adults and they're like, it's like sexy Halloween and Halloween's about like sex and like fun and like drinking and stuff like that. And then at the end we have uh, the old man and sort of like, what's the Christmas Carol guy? The Scrooge of Halloween. The Scrooge of Halloween. (laughs) Right. And it's sort of like all, all the way through our timeline of how we enjoy Halloween. And it's, this movie, whereas we talk about in our in our last episode, horror movies talk to other genres. This movie, in particular, is a homage to Halloween, like as the holiday, yeah. which is really really cool. Exactly, and I think that's part of why it's kind of stuck around and began to get a hold in the culture yeah. because Michael Doherty worked really hard on this movie and on the concepts of this movie for years before he ever got to make it, and then. Unfortunately, the studio kind of dumped it. They didn't really trust it very much. Once again, Harry Knowles helped kind of revive interest in it with his Buttonumathon. It was the last movie of that 24-hour film festival, and mm-hmm. it gave them the the push that they needed to actually release the movie. They didn't even do it in theaters. They just dropped it straight to VHS, which kind of sucks. That this movie yeah. should have had like a theatrical experience. And Absolutely. if there ever was a repertory screening of it. I would definitely try to go out of my way oh. to see it, for sure. Oh my god, that would be incredible. I would yeah. love that so much. I would love to see this movie <laughs> in a theater with a bunch of other people. And so, yeah, Trick or Treat, we, have to, we can't talk too much about it without talking about Michael Doherty, who is the director of the movie. He also wrote the movie. He created this as a short film called Season's Greetings, 
Uh, Ryan, were you able to watch that one? Yeah, absolutely. It was so. It was very cool. It's basically Sam. <laughs> yeah. And it's very late '90s, early 2000s animation. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Flash movie. It's available on YouTube for like it's only like three minutes long, so it's very yeah, it's easy, to easy to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and the basic pl- plot is that Sam is stalked by a weird man. It seems like the weird man's gonna kill him, and it turns out nope, Sam kills him first, and that's pretty dope. And <laughs> yeah. The whole Sam character being this, like, impishly fun Halloween specter is such a driving force for this movie. Yeah, and his name, his full name is Sam Hine, which is sort of what the the Harvest Festival that Halloween sort of, like, was based around is, and, and kind of, and so it's another homage to, like, the history of Halloween. Yeah, and I, I think that it also is a nice distance from like our slashers yeah like like he because they're all serious and killers but yeah. he's fun like he's yeah he's like pulling pranks on people yeah some of the pranks are more deadly than others but yes <laughs> it, it, his choice of who he murders it does speak to the fact that he's a child it doesn't quite understand yeah. i guess morality fully yet. yeah aj do you want to go over the rules of halloween that yeah. he kills for yeah, so there are four real rules that are established throughout the film. Number one, always wear a costume. Number two, always pass out treats. Number three, never blow out your jack-o'-lantern before midnight. Number four, always check your candy. Those are the four mm-hmm. big ones. There's yeah. kind of like an unwritten fifth rule that kind of is invoked a couple of times throughout the movie, which is don't disrespect the dead. People who disrespect the dead often meet pretty grisly fates. The only yeah. characters that don't, I would say, are the werewolf ladies, but we'll get yeah. to that in a little bit. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I would say it's pretty straightforward. Those four rules, if, if you break them, you get murdered. Except yes. the only reason that Krieg, the old man, gets attacked by Sam, when, when you think about it, is that he's not passing out candy. Yeah. When the Krieg storyline very firmly establishes that he is a bus driver who killed a bunch of children who had <laughs> mental handicaps um, <laughs> yeah. that's not what Sam kills him for he's just like hey you need to pass out candy and you he like, gives him a candy. pass and when he does and when he does pass out candy everything's cool <laughs> yeah meanwhile meanwhile the poor girl at the beginning of the movie she, she yes. gets murdered because poor poor Emma she's like drunk she doesn't want to wake up hug over <laughs> she blows, she blows out like... the, the jack o lantern and Sam's yeah. like I'm here to kill you So yeah, there's there's specific rules that make Halloween fun and don't be a fucking party pooper. Take down your decorations before midnight. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> the, the, that's the thing is that Sam is this creature that that Doherty conceived of right out of college. He worked on other stuff over the years. He wrote X Men Two. He wrote mm-hmm. Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of the clout to make this movie because of his relationship with Brian Singer. The two of them worked on several movies together. Singer serves as a producer on this one. Another just like, sorry that you have to bring him up, but you know, kind of a horror show of a person when you look behind the scenes on Singer, but that was unfortunately Hollywood. <laughs> oh, that was Hollywood in the, in the late two thousands, early two yeah. thousands. The point is that War- legendary and Warner brothers actually, let the movie get made and they helped it get through. And even though it's $12 million budget pushed it to allow for a straight to DVD release instead of forcing a theatrical release, 
at least the movie gets made. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, with Sam, because I think Sam is, like, such an integral part of this, what is the thing that you like the most about him? Can you, like, describe his, like, physicality, first of all? Yeah, so Sam is a child, it looks like a child in, like, an orange jumpsuit with a burlap sack, sack round head that he walks around in and he looks like a young child and that is what sam sort of looks like without his mask on and then later in the movie we find out that he's like this like pumpkin creature (laughs) right like yeah and he looks like sort of like a alien pumpkin creature that is protecting the honor of halloween (laughs) he even has pumpkin guts for blood like yeah he, he gets a limb removed and it crawls back yeah. to him, but there's, like, pumpkin guts on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, like, yeah. And I think I think what's really, I mean, we keep talking about it. What's really fun about this movie is that it's 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 fun, it's funny, and it's it's it's, it's also the, the scariness of it is not always the forefront, if that makes sense. Yeah, Doherty specifically wanted it to be more comical. And we've been yeah. trying to, like, ground people in the reality of what horror movies were like during this era and with cabin in the woods we had five extra years between when that movie was made and when it came out for people to be into that mode but trick-or-treat is so wildly against the genre right. at that moment it is like at the peak it's being filmed of peak horror gore where it's your hostels yes. and your your saws are dominating the box office final destination exactly like Part of the so this movie gets sent straight to VHS, and like the other movies that are on this list for the Chainsaw Awards, which is mm-hmm. the Fangoria magazine again, we're coming back to them. Yeah, they gave mm-hmm. it two prizes. They gave it best limited release slash direct to video film and best supporting actor for mm-hmm. Dylan Baker, who plays ah. the principal serial killer. But those are the oh, only two nominations it got. It didn't get anything wow. else for its very cool visual effects. The best wide-release movies of the year that year are Drag Me to Hell, Paranormal Activity, The Last House on the Left, Zombieland, oh. and The Road. Now, that's, oh, a very, that's a very good five. Yeah. And I think Drag Me to Hell is a little bit of the outlier, which is why it ends up winning. But Last House yeah. on the Left and The Road are depressing movies. Paranormal Activity oh, Last is House like... Last House on the Left is like borderline cancelable. Like... <laughs> yeah. Paranormal Activity so. is... The last gasp of found footage before it kind of went yeah. away. I would say, argue it's the last big hit. And for reference, that was, it's nominated simultaneously for best wide release film, and also it got nominated for worst film at the same wow. award ceremony. The other worst films are wow. the Halloween Two, the Rob Zombie movie, Friday the Thirteenth, oh god, the the remake, <laughs> Final Destination. <laughs> The box, and yeah, that's it's not a very good group of films. Like, the people are just kind of sick of it. So, I think that Dragon yeah. Hell winning is kind of this lucky out of the box film it, that pops up. It makes because I, whenever I watch, because I didn't watch Dragon Me to Hell when it came out, but it, it makes sense why people love that movie. Because, yes, if you look around, there's like nothing else that's truly, I mean. In our vision of what horror is, there's nothing else that's like horror, really, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's also so, the return of Sam Raimi to the genre. Right. And and Sam Raimi, who famously makes the Evil Dead movies, makes this right. possession haunting movie. This woman gets a curse on herself. Right. 
And again, the other person who once again gets completely ignored during this era is Ty West. He makes House mm. of the Devil. House of the Devil is like clearly one of the best movies of this year. And oh, only it's got, a miss for me. It, oh, I'll you don't like that. it? Oh, okay. I've never seen it. Okay. Well, it, and it only got a best score nomination, from what I can tell. Like, it did not get wow. lauded the way that it should have. And yeah. it's interesting that, you know, there's some horror films below the line at this point that people have not tuned in on yet. But yeah. the ones that were available, there's just, like, wasn't a lot there. And even so, Trick, Trick or Treat gets pushed straight to DVD. It's yeah. a real shame. Yeah, and, t- and talking about Ty West, we should probably do New Blood on X. Oh, we're, we're definitely going to do a New Blood on X. <laughs> no, no denying that. So, <laughs> so yeah, so the the trick or treat thing it catches on once it finally releases, but it just took forever for it to get there. It was, just, it was really yeah. sad to think about what could have been. Right, absolutely. Well, I I also think like um, because of the way that it was released, it's such a unique film in that sense like i i i didn't watch this until i was a full-grown adult and basically it just came down to uh you know edgy horror people being like dude have you seen it dude have you seen it and i'm just like okay fine i'll go watch it (laughs) you know what i mean and so it kind of has this like word of mouth following that is just incredible that it's become such a big part of Halloween and the horror genre. Whereas if it did release into theaters, I truly wonder if it would be as big as it is today. You know what I mean? You know, that, that's actually a very good point. I, I do feel like the the benefit, obviously, for it going the way that it went is that that word of mouth helped helped ingrain it and, and give it like a really strong push within the horror community. To where it eventually gets pushed into bigger spaces specifically for horror fans. And the one that screams yeah. to me, the reason I ended up watching the movie for the first time, was that it was going to be at Halloween Horror Nights. And yeah. so with Halloween Horror Nights coming up, I try to watch all the movies that are mm-hmm. featured at the thing. So I have just more of a context in case there's anything Absolutely. I haven't seen before. And yeah, this movie was not super well known to me at the time. I watched it and boom, I immediately was all in on it. It was like instantaneous. That I'm like, okay, this is like a really fun, silly, cool yeah. movie that I can now watch every year around Halloween. Yes. Yeah, and it's totally rewatchable because it's so fun and you don't really have to pay full attention and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, and I think that also leads, because there's so many different stories, I think that leads to the rewatchability aspect of it. Because if you're not, if you're not feeling one of the stories, the great thing is, in five minutes, another one's going to be coming along anyway, right? If you're not exactly. feeling the principal who murders children and ha- him and his son, I guess, carve <laughs> children's heads, like, <laughs> It'll be disgusting. Over yeah, don't worry. We're going to move on to the werewolf story next. Or yeah, we're going to move on to the, the bus of mentally handicapped children are also sure. killed. Like, there's just yeah. a lot more interesting things there. I also think that because this movie got just a big enough budget, it has enough stars in it yeah. and enough cool visual effects that it holds mm-hmm. up much better than most movies of its ilk would. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think of the overall quality of the actors in the movie? I think the big two are Brian Cox and Anna Paquin, and obviously yeah, I mean, Dylan Baker. Yeah, I mean, I think that the acting is actually what holds it together because it's not actually super terrifying or any of these things, and you only get a short stint 
of all of these in these individual these individual stories that the acting really holds it together um mm-hmm. when it comes to really the werewolf story uh you know the curmudgeon the old man story the principal story right the acting is really yeah. what 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 grounds the stories because you're interested in what what is going on because of the way that they're portraying the characters yeah i mean like anna paquin already has her oscar but mm-hmm. she's also coming off of x-men and yeah. having her be like this you know, like we're still used to her being a teenager so having her yeah. be a, a young teen who then lures and murders a predator is interesting yeah. i think the reveal when she it's she's killing dylan baker hall or sorry dylan baker that was huge to me yeah because she's killing off one of the other main actors of the movie and it also shows up that this evil specter that's been hanging over the movie is a bad guy and he gets his just desserts i thought that was interesting and he kills kids so sam more or less says hey yes <laughs> <laughs> no don't do that um, I would also argue, yeah. <laughs> like the the Brian Cox, who now is well known for being on Succession and saying "fuck off" a lot, uh, he <laughs> is so good in what is basically a silent film for him. He doesn't interact with anybody. Wow. His only like lines sure. of dialogue are with Dylan Baker. They have a short conversation, and then his like when he, when he becomes aware that Sam's hand is crawling across the floor in a very obvious homage to the thing, he's like, oh, god damn it. Like, yes. like it, it's a great <laughs> use of that actor. I, I do think it helps the movie considerably. I think even if it would work with unknowns, but having that extra level yeah. of star power, I mean, yeah. they're clearly talented stars for a reason. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Was is there Which of the stories stayed that the most to you? Well, I think that the one story that is clearly the m- most powerful story in the film is sort of like the the werewolf story, and it's that like pre Me Too badassery yep. sort of going on, right? Although there's a a bit of male gaze that I think really was a little bit problematic. Um, there's that that whole that whole scene where it's like sort of like oh, the, the virgin final girl is going to be attacked and killed. And actually, no, she's there's a pack of werewolves, and it's she's not losing her virginity. She's gaining her first kill. Like, yeah, it, it So is, that whole storyline is absolutely amazing. It's an excellent subversion of the tropes of the right. genre. I also exactly. think that, like, just the women werewolves was just, it felt unique. And then the fact that it's all yeah. practical on top of that. right. I mean, there, there is some CG. I didn't know it was all practical. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, there, there is some CG, but, I mean, sure. they built the wolf costumes, and they built wow. the skin over the wolf costume, like, sleeves. So when they're, yeah. like, when they are undressing, quote-unquote, and they're yeah. ripping off their human exteriors to reveal their werewolf selves, that's a practical effect. The blood for that is practical. They used wow. giant werewolf puppets. That was practical. That's like, awesome. There's... Uh, the the teeth that they use to help signal transformation and the contacts to like color yeah, the eyes, eyes, all yeah. of that is practical. So it's just so cool that really this cool. scene exists. I yes. mean, and the werewolf scenes are traditionally very like great makeup showcase sequences, and sure. this is another one. Like I think yeah. after like American Werewolf in London, or I think yes. of the Howling. These are like scenes that 
thrive because they use practical effects. And I think when you use too much CG, that's when it gets mm-hmm. dicey. I think a good example of that is American yeah. Werewolf in Paris. is maybe a little too much CG. Yes. <laughs> or even <laughs> even the Benicio Del Toro Wolfman, while it's got large sections that are practical effects, I do not personally yeah. like the CG effects in that movie. And I think it does mm-hmm. hurt that movie as a well. whole. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really like that it's practical effects. We're big advocates of practical effects over CG. Um, and and I, I think the best scene from there is just the i think we talked about it was the um the uh the marilyn manson <laughs> sweet the uh song that's go- going over that entire scene as they're going through the transformation it's like sexy and dark and cool it's just such a cool cool scene another thing that i do love about this movie uh-huh. and i think my second favorite story in it even though the krieg story is interesting to watch an old man wrestle with like the sins of halloween's past I really like uh, right. the the child story, mm, yeah, like, like, like the the school bus massacre one with the teenagers. Yeah, I think that the yeah, Rhonda character is really interesting. I think she's yes. a badass uh, for abandoning yes. her friends, her quote unquote yes. friends. Yeah, like thank God that she is like lets them die. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it pays <laughs> such strong homage to both Halloween three and to Peanuts. Like, yeah, it, it's got really strong. Charlie Brown, Great Pumpkin, yeah. uh, energy to it, Vibes. like it, both yeah, visually absolutely. and and how it's depicted. Like I just think it's very cool in that regard, and I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah, and you're like actually kind of scared of Rhonda at the end, right? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Which is really, really cool. But, like, like, like that, that, that's a cold bitch move, Rhonda. But like, great move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm cheering her as she chooses to let them die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yeah, so I, I think that, that that scene works so well. Yeah, I, I, I love that sequence so much. What do you think? Do you think we move to the rewards? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into some of the awards for this film. So we have our own set of awards that we like to discuss in these films, and we want to make sure that we hit some of the really cool things that happen in it. Uh, our number one award is the Best Kill Award. We've got four contenders here. The number one is Emma. She is the woman who gets murdered at the beginning of the film by Sam for putting away her Halloween decorations before Halloween is over. Number two, Krieg. We see his death at the hands of the school children via a comic book art. I think that's mostly because they couldn't quite reshoot all of it, but also yeah. it makes for a very great end cap to the movie. It opens with a comic book opening. It closes yeah. with a comic book. I think it, it's interesting to see this as like, a potential slew of stories in that regard. Yeah. It helps the anthology nature, I think. You know, I just I just realized this. He did X-Men before this, right? Yeah, so he it's did like X-Men this, like, Superman. Homage, yeah, these homage to, like, comic books. Like, that's really fascinating. I would also say the teens getting killed by the school bus massacre victims. Yeah. I think that's also a great scene. So they're, they're really mm-hmm. double-dipping here. And last yeah. but not least, the principal. The principal, when we find out that he is the man who's been hunting the werewolf girl only for her or the tide to get turned on him. Yeah. And, and I really like, I really like the principal kill. I think that whole scene is really, really awesome. But I think that the, the most gruesome scene in the movie, the one that like sticks with you the most is the Emma kill right at the beginning of the film. Right. Where he just yeah, I would is agree. like, <laughs> like decapitates her. 
Well, I also think that the the singular shot of Sam holding up the little lollipop with a bite out of it and then using it yes. as a as a knife is so, such yes. a cool, unique image where yes. we've seen these other kinds of kills before. I've mm-hmm. never seen something like that until no. Like, it, it is simultaneously an homage to you know your traditional slasher, but then the right. fact that it's a piece of candy and it's a child perpetrating the crime, it right. feels like it's like ambish. Michael Myers is here. <laughs> and Absolutely. then it also adds a level of dread to the rest of the movie. Whenever he shows up, you know what he's capable yeah. of. And he doesn't right. really act on that the rest of the movie, which I find interesting. Yeah, that is true. He, he doesn't actually end up killing anyone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, because chronologically it's at the end of the movie. That's his only uh, kill of the night. But it's at the beginning wow. of the movie because of how it's structured. Wow, fascinating. That's awesome. Yep. All right. All right, so, what's our next? So, so we're giving that one to Emma. Emma is the best kill of the movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the next one is the Marion Crane Gone Too Soon Award. I think this is a very clear winner. Uh, it should go to the bus full of children that has yeah. dropped off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> yeah, we just meet them. <laughs> and they're just killed because, like, the parents don't want to deal with mentally handicapped children. So. Yeah, uh, the, we're not in an age where people understand what neurodivergent minds are like yet, yeah. and instead they murder them. So great, awesome, good to know that <laughs> the Spartan way of thinking is still alive and kicking in 2007. So we give you that salute, Marion Crane Award. Thank you for your service, young children. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, what's also cool is that they then get to commit revenge on everybody who who disses yep. them the rest of the movie. So good Absolutely. on them. Absolutely. Yep. They, they, they get it. The Tom Savini Award for Best Effect. We didn't call it this in our last episode, but we, we have to give props to the master. Uh, Tom Savini, the man who, one of the men who helped revolutionize visual effects in movies, especially with, with his work in Friday the 13th. So here we go. Mm-hmm. The Best Effect. We've got the werewolf undress sequence, an animatronic Sam when the, mm-hmm. when the head is actually shown, the zombie children, and then I forgot to add mm-hmm. it on here, but the hand crawl from Sam, uh, which was done by a little girl on a skateboard using their hand to crawl across the floor. And then they green screen it out of the scene. That's just very cool. So cool. Yeah. I think honestly, the, 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 a well done werewolf transformation is always a winner. Uh, So I think the werewolf transformation scene for me is the Savini award for here, for sure. I agree. I think, think? That it, I think that it stands yeah. out yeah. on so many levels. The the idea to have then put the like the skin as clothing over the werewolf suit, it, that, yeah. that's a person wearing multiple levels of effect at that point. That's very cool. <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely. All right, a scared as shit moment. We're bringing this one back from the MTV Movie Awards. Woo! And we didn't have it in the last episode. We wanted to add it here. Yeah. The scared as shit moment. There's the Sam hand crawl. There's Sam mm. hanging from the ceiling. Again, performed by a woman gymnast uh, hanging above wow. Brian Cox. And then the zombie children. Which one is the scariest moment? I, I think, honestly, when they're down in the the reservoir and they're being left for dead, it just mm-hmm. that's like the only moment. That's like the legitimately the only moment in the movie where like, wow, this is like legitimately terrifying. Because they're, like, trapped against the wall, no escape, slowly being, like, murdered by zombie children, right? <laughs> yes, I think there's that. I think it's also children killing children. 
Like, right. like this movie has a lot of child death in it. A lot yeah. of child death. Yes. And that is upsetting <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it, the overall tone of the movie helps kind of, like, nudge that to the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, think about it for even five minutes, 85, 90% of the victims in this movie are children. Yeah. It's so messed up. That is true. <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to both say the scared shit moment is the zombie kids, right? Mm-hmm. All right, our Steve Hadley biggest regret, named after the character who wants to see mermaids <laughs> from Cabin in the Woods, only to get eaten by a mermaid. <laughs> who who is our biggest regret in this movie? We've got Schrader. He is the young mm-hmm. boy who convinces Rhonda to come with him, um, only yeah. to pull a prank on him and yeah. on, on her, and then she uh, enacts her revenge. Mm-hmm. We've got Krieg drives a bus off of a cliff and kills a bunch of children, who then uh-huh. sixty years later come back and kill him. <laughs> we have the principal with Laurie, the principal killing women and children throughout the evening only to get his just desserts by getting eaten by a werewolf. Right. And finally, we have Charlie, the little boy who just couldn't help it but had to eat all of his candy. Who yep, is our amazing. biggest regret? I will say these are four good contenders for this one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think for me, I'm going to say that Charlie is probably, I think we've all been there, eating too much candy, stealing candy on Halloween. And just being killed for eating too much candy and smashing pumpkins? Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to zag a little bit here. I'm going to say Krieg sure. because sure. he lives alone at his uh, in his miserly existence for at yeah. least 50 years, oh, only to yeah. get hunted by, uh, by Sam and get yeah. stabbed a bunch of times. And then to get followed up with, he finally decides to hand out candy and then still gets murdered by the children. That he <laughs> has been haunting his life. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it's, a good one. So I, I think that we had four. I mean, Schrader is a real close runner-up to me, and the fact that he's like, "Yeah, man, I, I really didn't dislike this girl that much." But my friends peer pressured me into into right. bullying her. Well, guess what, bro? <laughs> peer pressure kills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this Halloween special, it certainly does. <laughs> I, I like it. I'll take Craig and you take Charlie. I think those are two good choices. All right, cool. All right, what's our next one? Kurt Vaughn, the most overconfident character in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, character who thinks they're the hero or the <laughs> the the strongest still around, and only to find that they're not. Yeah. We have Charlie again. He he's a little boy stealing all candy. Thinks nothing bad can happen to him, and that's sure. why he dies. We have mm-hmm. Macy, the leader of the teen girls, who convinces mm-hmm. all the other people to to bully a neurodivergent girl. That's yeah, not great. Emma. Yeah. She's very confident that she can put away her, <laughs> her decorations and, and all of a sudden it leads to her death. And then, last but not least, the principal. Is he the most overconfident character in this movie? I would have to say so. He, he's my pick. Yeah, he's clearly the most overly confident sociopathic killer in this movie. <laughs> uh, he, he even like makes like a low Red Riding Hood joke as he's about to kill Anna Paquin, yeah. only to literally get dropped out of a tree moments later. Yeah, <laughs> and then have that line reversed on him. <laughs> yep. He did not see that coming. All right. Yes. Our Norman Bates moment. So this one's a little bit different because the stories are kind of told out of order, and right. we're kind of get information sprinkled to us throughout the film. So our Norman Bates moment is the moment that the whole movie turns for you or changes what you think it's about. The first one, to me, that qualifies is when we are walking through the party after we've already seen Emma get killed – we see Emma and her boyfriend walk past us. Yes. So it's, okay, we're seeing this out of order. That, that, that's number one. 
Number two, when you realize Krieg was the bus driver when the right. photo is getting burned, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's the one who drove him off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Three, the Anna Paquin werewolf reveal. Four, the principal and his child in the basement. It seems like mm-hmm. the principal's about to kill his child, but yeah. then it turns out there's Charlie's head. And then yeah. five, Charlie throwing up when he mm-hmm. starts dying, and we watch him die. Which yeah. of those movie moments do you think is like the most Norman Batesy moment? I think the biggest point where it all turns and is the big reveal is realizing that Krieg is the bus driver, right? Because right. at that point, you know that that connects almost all of the stories together, right? And, like, creates why this character is why he is the way he is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can see what that. What do you think? I lean slightly towards the Charlie throwing up sequence. Sure. And more because of Dylan Baker Baker's performance in that scene. He's mm-hmm. so, like, he's so at ease with right. him dying. He's, like, not even, yeah. like, concerned about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a sociopath. Yeah. And so that that, that, that really threw me off there. Um, sure. So, so that, that's going to be mine. And it also establishes very early that children can die in this movie. Yeah, and I think it does, like, I, th- I think it does, that's the first time in the movie that, like, okay, this movie is, like, like, kind of fucked up, right? Yes. <laughs> so I think that's the point where it sort of kicks off everything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like, it's not say. just a fun, whimsical, like, oh, we're going to have some scary kills with this cute little impish character. Like, yeah, no, no, it's like, yeah, the, there's some real evil in this town yeah. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, All right, go for it. Next up is the Icon Award, which is where we have an icon from either the movie or, or the industry talk about the process of making the movie. In this case, Brian Cox, who plays Krieg and was a really strong person in the development of the movie and, and really champion of the film as a whole. He pointed to like the fact that the movie was pushed to, straight to VHS as a problem. As he put it, yeah. it was indicative of what was wrong with the film industry in the sense that films like this do not get made. This movie should have been in the theaters from the word go. It was it warranted that. It was designed for that. And apart from the famous Halloween movies, this is the definitive one. Actually, it is the more definitive because it's more about Halloween than anything else. So in that sense, it's great that Mike, Mike Doherty, is finally getting his just desserts for this remarkable piece of art, and it's been too long coming. Yeah, I love that way of phrasing it. And it's really a lot of that, like, theatrical versus streaming, like, debate. <laughs> Except at the time, it was theatrical versus VHS. Yeah. Or, or DVD. And yeah. I think there's something interesting there that this movie should have gone to theaters and just didn't. And it's a shame that, Absolutely. you know, you and I said earlier in the movie, if this were earlier in the podcast, if this were to come out now, we would 100% see this in theaters. And we know that because Michael Doherty's made similar movies since then and has, we've seen them in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead and get to the Mandy Award. Uh, this is the award for the person who we think is at their absolute pinnacle because of this movie. Again, we may disagree on whether or not this is the peak of this person's career. Okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. Michael Doherty, the director of this film. Mm-hmm. He would go on to make Krampus. He would also make Godzilla King of the Monsters. I can't imagine that this be his peak, right? Because he continued to make these superstar movies, right? And then Krampus is an amazing follow-up to this movie mm-hmm. uh, as another, like, horror comedy. I'm torn because he's also coming off of X2 and Superman Returns. So he's coming mm-hmm. off of two, like, big-budget screenplays. But you are right. It, Krampus is, like, a better 
like encapsulation of like the horror comedy right. for Christmas, and then also Godzilla obviously is the biggest budget of the bunch. Yeah, so I, I, I think he's still on the. I'm hoping that this means we'll eventually get trick or treat too, though. He seems to indicate yes. that he'd like to do that. He he's on board. He he, he keeps yeah. saying, "I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this," and <laughs> no one will take him up on it. <laughs> it's so odd because it seems like such a gimme. Like yeah, it seems like today he could make the same movie for. Fifteen million dollars. Oh, absolutely, and and the biggest thing is that like it's, it's this movie is at its peak popularity. Yeah. It's more popular than it's ever been. Like uh, Spirit of Halloween has mm-hmm. like Sam all over it. Like <laughs> it, it is really odd that we haven't gotten one yet. I'm hoping that it's coming it's sooner rather than later because it's right. the thing on IMDb it says announced, but yeah, I mean, but that also is the argument in favor of this being his peak is that we don't want necessarily or need a Krampus sequel, and he's probably not going to make another Godzilla movie. We want yeah. more trick-or-treats. That is true. That could be... That, that is a legitimate thing. I think, honestly, if he makes a second one, and it is good, I think this could be... This could be his, like... His launch pad, right? His, like, his like peak moment, right? Yep, I would agree. All right, uh, Brian Cox. I mean, you know better than me because you've seen Secession, but like he's I, in a, he's in Secession right now. Like. Yeah, he, he's like the star of that show. I, I would argue <laughs> that it's not his peak because he's done a lot of great things in his career. So yeah, I'll, I'll say not for Brian Cox. Uh, Anna yeah. Paquin. Uh, again, I'm gonna uh, say no on this one. Zero percent chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she she's Rogan star. She's Rogan the X Men movies. She has an Oscar. <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's in the recent, uh, uh, what's it called, the quarterback movie. <laughs> oh, she was in that, the American Underdog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was also going to say she was on True Blood, she's yeah. a star of True Blood, so I, I think that she's got a lot enough other things. Yeah. Dylan Baker. This is an interesting one for me. Dylan Baker, who plays the principal. Mm. I would say, I would say borderline yes. Yeah. It seems like he should have had like another career jump after this. He plays Kurt Connors in the two Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, where right. yeah, with, with Otto Octavius and with Norman Osborn, where he's slated to play the character yeah. that turns into the lizard, it, and mm. it just never happens for him. And supposedly Raimi wanted yeah. to do it, and it just didn't do it. Yeah, because he stopped making. So he kind of got the guy got shafted on that. Yeah. And then he's in The Americans, and he's great on The Americans, which is a spy thriller TV show on FX, but he also is only in, like, ten episodes. He's terrifying in Hunters on Amazon Prime, where he's a Nazi, but mm-hmm. at the same time, that. all that's coming years <laughs> after the fact, where right. here he's winning an award for his mm. performance in this movie with right. the horror community at his back. Absolutely. So I'm gonna lean towards a yes on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna say this might be his pinnacle because there's still in the chance that he's gonna play Kirk Connors at this point in a big screen adaptation, like as the lizard. And yeah. he's coming off of winning awards for this one. So I'll say yes to that one. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Somewhat of a joke, children named Sam. Is this the <laughs> pinnacle of children yeah. named Sam? I don't know anyone named Sam anymore. I think I, I think that like I think that works, and I think the second one you have down here, the practical werewolf transformations. I'm like, dude, like actually though, what's yeah. the last good werewolf transformation that we've had? Like seriously. Yeah, you know it's a little upsetting actually that you point that out. Um, 
I would say I would say the pinnacle is probably American Werewolf in London, coming immediately yeah, after that's the Howard. True. Like like having both those that movies come true. out in the same year, and then both like yeah. revolutionize visual effects in the process. Yeah, but it's been a, it's true. been a hot minute since we like had the, good like, werewolf practical effects. Yeah, this is like the last one, but that's true. American Werewolf in London is the pinnacle of American. Uh, I mean, uh, werewolf transformation. So. Yeah, I think we give it to Dylan Baker on that one. Congratulations, Mr. Dylan. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then one last thing, who wins this movie? Ooh, who wins this movie? I mean, um, I think it has to be Michael Doherty. Yeah. I, yeah, it's the only one that it kind of launched his career. Everyone else has, like, done so much more, right? Yeah, I would say a lot of other people have done other things. Dylan Baker does not end up getting the roles that he should get, so I can't say he right. won this. Yeah. Where, where Doherty is able to later make Krampus... Right. is able to later make Godzilla. Right. He also conceived of this, this. This was his brainchild. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam is a character he created as part of his NYU graduate program. Right. Like, and he is able to then bring him to the big screen a decade right. later. Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. That, that's a pretty Yeah, amazing... utilizing his, like, his wins for X-Men, basically, he was able to do what he's always wanted to do. That's incredible. That's an incredible win. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, it may not have been released the way that he wanted to, but the fact is, as Brian Cox pointed out, it's got the rep now. It's not a question of whether or not it's good. It's a question of whether or not you've seen it. Yeah, that is true. That is true. The word of mouth has like brought this into like the horror lexicon. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 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 All right. So those are all of our awards today. How do you feel, Ryan? I feel good. I'm glad that we got to cover it. It's it's such a fun and it's a great movie to like introduce not not too young of children because it is kind of scary and they do kill children. But like, you know, that like that like 10, 11 year old to horror, right? Like this can be given to someone that has a little bit more abstract thought and can lead them. I'd say like uh, Paranorman and then trick-or-treat right <laughs> yeah i think it, so, it is the slight like slightly dark lead-in yeah. where it's still not like too horrific but it's still yeah. violent and scary yeah exactly where you can start like leaning in and or, or a partner that's not super into horror can definitely enjoy this type of movie i would agree all right mm-hmm. uh so on a scale of one to ten where are you gonna give this one ryan oh gosh yeah i think i honestly think that this is for me um Probably a nine. That's my like gut giving me that. I really, nice. really love this movie so much. It's so fun. It's it's palatable to so many different people, right? Because like you said, if you don't like one story, the next one's coming up. And the werewolf scene at that time, like you know, giving women that that ability and that power to like take back like you know some things, uh, that 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 uh, autonomy and that that power over their um, their own body and things like that all of these sort of things are just so awesome um and then the the pieces of halloween and moving through the lifespan of halloween i think it just depicts that so perfectly it's such a great homage to halloween and i do think like you said it's not you know if you should see it it's whether whether you've seen it or not like i really think you should go out and watch trick or treat because there is trick or treat and that movie is horrible <laughs> so I've never seen Trick or Treat. I've heard mixed things, though. I have. Sure. I've heard some people say it's not very good. I've heard other people love it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we may have to do that one down the road. Sure. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, an 8 out of 10. I'm slightly lower on sure. it than you. 
Yeah. But it is still a great time and yep. just really fun. It, it is just really fun. And also at 82 minutes, it is so it's so fast to like yeah. you just like throw it on and you're done. I mean, there are some episodes of Stranger Things this season that are longer than this movie. Like yeah. legitimately. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, it, it is a nice, cool, easy watch. With all that, you guys can find us uh, online on Twitter. Uh, I'm the Alan French on Twitter, and I'm Keep It Spooky O Nine on Twitter. Uh, you can also hit us up at at Bell Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at WeBoughtABlogMedia at Gmail dot com with any comments or questions. If you guys want to hit us up with any recommendations, we're 100 percent open yeah, for that. We have a handful. That'd be of movies. awesome. We have a handful of movies we are already slated to cover, but. We want to double check, and if you guys want something and we hear enough of it, we may expedite that movie along. So let us know. Uh, Also, we are not opposed, if you know one of us, to just reaching out and texting us. We would love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. All right. With that, I'm AJ. And I'm Ryan. Keep it spooky. Peace out, guys. (laughs) 